Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today, we're checking in with fitness professional and founder of LA-based training studio, Bunda. She was last super pregnant and about to add a new member to her family. She's here to tell us about the birth story in the middle of a pandemic, no less. Katie, Lily, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, you even have a little passenger with you. Yes, I do. (laughs) Very little. Yeah, um, bigger than last time, though. She was just a month last time. I haven't seen you. Just uh, a little messaging back and forth to share the good news. I have zero idea how your birth story went. By the way, do you like our um, new studio? Yeah, it looks great. Thank you very much. Is this going to be permanent? Are you going to go back to in-person eventually? I don't know, really. I guess the audience can tell us what they like. I love good audio. That's why the first, I don't know, 150 episodes of our podcast were always in a studio. And, you know, it had its benefits and it had its drawbacks. The benefit always is great audio and face-to-face conversation. One of the drawbacks is you can only interview people who are geographically near you. But, you know, with pandemic, we couldn't do it. So I just decided to do Zoom. I got a call from my friend Sharon and she said, Oh my God, your podcast sounds terrible. And I was like, that's the nicest (laughs) thing. I was like, I think you have a pimple breaking out. (laughs) So she's a voiceover specialist and she gave me some ideas on how to do it better from home. And one of the biggest tips was to do it in my walk-in closet in my bedroom to put down a little rug and just have as many clothing in there as you possibly could. And oh, yeah, because the fabric traps sound. It traps the sound, and she yeah. gave me a better mic to get. And actually, it's been sounding a lot better, but for the most part, even though we don't do video for our audience, you and I do video just so we can have as close to face-to-face yeah. conversation as possible. So I'll show you a little trick here at home. You can't see what's happening, but you'll get the idea in just a second. Here we go. Hold on. That's uh, my studio. Nice. It looks great. This is my walk-in closet. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I made a little virtual studio on Fiverr here <laughs> to make it look much more like. I'll post a picture on uh, social media. Yeah. So this is my new studio. Okay, enough about me and enough about our <laughs> podcast. We're here to talk about you. Yeah, yeah, last time I spoke to you, you went from wanting a very interventive, medicalized birth to sort of switching gears. 
and becoming first more open-minded than kind of excited about yeah. a more natural birth. Your plan was like still kind of in flux a little bit, I think, last time I talked to you. How was yeah. the end of your pregnancy and, you know, going into birth, what did you finalize on kind of what you were um, hoping for? So, you know, our first recording of this and when you and I spoke, yeah, at the beginning of being pregnant, I automatically thought I wanted a C-section. I didn't want to have any sort of idea of feeling any pain, but then I sort of reframed my mind of what pain I like and don't like. And I'm definitely afraid of needles and my body going numb. So the epidural C-section really freaked me out. And I pretty much devoted my time learning about being pregnant is like natural childbirth and how to do it in a hospital. So in the pandemic, you couldn't have a doula in the beginning of this or the majority of the time. So I didn't hire a doula until literally like a week before the baby came because you gave me Stacy's name and then I called her. But luckily I had my two meetings with her right away because, you know, I delivered early. So she was able to be there. That was great. Down to the wire. Yes, exactly. In terms of um, but it was completely opposite of what I intended for it to be, which people told me, they're like, you know, be ready because what you think is going to happen is never the way it happens. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I assumed I was going to deliver late. I thought, you know, I would potentially go till November 10th. That would be like the maximum two weeks. I was like, there's no way she's coming early or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, it happened. And it was kind of scary in the beginning. And I mean, I can go into all the details of it. Well, let's start at the very beginning. Yes. <laughs> um, you said you went early in relation to your due date. When did things happen? Um, 13 days. So 38 13 weeks days went. before. Yeah. Okay, so early, meaning before your due date, but not early. Yes, okay. of... not, not, yeah. I could have been more prepared. <laughs> yeah, in the zone. I mean, yeah. our first baby came 14 days before the due date, and it felt very early. And also because we didn't want like family just totally flooding us. Yes. Told them that the due date was two weeks later than it really was. Oh, so, that's a good idea. <laughs> it was sort of a good idea, but when he came two weeks early, they thought yeah, he was like... creamy and they like all jumped on <laughs> oh. the and came over. So uh, it didn't work out exactly as planned. Yeah. So it's a good time to have a baby typically. How did it yeah. start for you? How did things start? Um, so it started in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. That was Monday night. So Tuesday morning, 3 a.m., I woke up and I had like bleeding and it scared me. So I called the doctor and I was like, hey, you know, I just woke up. I have this bleeding and it was definitely bleeding. It wasn't just like spotting. So he was like, it's probably fine. It could be the start of your labor, but it could be a few days before labor actually starts. But he was like, if you really are concerned, you can go to labor and delivery and get it checked out. And, you know, being my first baby and never being pregnant before, I just was nervous about it. So my husband and I left. We went to the hospital just to make sure everything was fine. And in doing that, they hooked me up to a continuous monitoring of the heart rate. And they didn't like how the heart rate wasn't being variable enough. Like her heart rate was fine, but it wasn't varying enough. So they gave me juice and then a bag of fluid. And that helped. But during that time, they checked my cervix. It was two centimeters. And then... Can I ask you just a quick question? Before yeah. any of this happened, yeah. were you having any signs of impending labor, any contractions? No not, no, not at all. Nothing. I will say I did feel like light cramping the night prior, but I don't know. I didn't think anything of it. Again, I've never done this. I didn't think anything of it. So maybe I did. Yeah. Had your cervix been checked before that? No, no, because I was supposed to go in for my 38-week appointment because the appointments are a week and a half apart. So I was supposed to go in the day after on Wednesday. Okay, so no checking. It sounds like kind of in retrospect, maybe you were having yeah. some uh, cramping before this all happened. Yes. And like 
in the day or 24 hours leading up to any kind of trauma or anything different or workouts? No, nothing. I mean, I was still working out. I don't know if that like contributed to it. I, I don't think it did. I mean, I don't think so. Okay, so you go to the hospital, and you're doing the monitoring. They don't love it. They're trying to remedy the heart rate. The thing is, is I, they were like, you know, we don't like the way the heart rate's reading. And you know, like I said, I read a lot now about, like, what they do in the hospital and what the concerns are. So, like, I read that, like, clapping your hands makes her heartbeat go up, and it was working. So every time I clap my hands, I would see a spike in her heartbeat. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so Where did I started you read that? that. I read it in, I forget which book you it was. You read so many but, books. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> So I did that and it actually did work. And they were like, okay, you know, her heartbeat is coming up and they were going to send me home at that point. Then I got up to use the bathroom and I had a ton of bleeding, oh my like goodness. a lot. Well, okay. First of all, is it only your hands or can anybody clap? Um, I think anybody, but it was just me. It was just you clapping. And then you didn't realize that you were bleeding until you got up? No, until I got up. Yeah. Okay. And then there was a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. And then they checked me again. They're like, oh, you're three centimeters. So you're in labor. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> 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 they're like, oh, you're three centimeters. So at that point I was like, okay. They were like, we have to admit you, you're in labor. So I went in for like four hours. They were going to like, let me try to labor on my own. And of course nothing really happened. I mean, you're three centimeters, but you're not having contractions. I mean, it was so slight. I felt something, yeah. Could you see them on the monitor? Yeah, they did. They could so you them. could see contractions, just didn't really feel them that much. Yeah, so then one of the concerns was when they admitted me that they were like, you know, my doctor was in close contact with the hospital, and they were a little worried that a piece of my placenta had ruptured. Not the whole thing, but a oh. piece. Is that and what they it, thought the blood was? Yes, because there was too much of it to be like, you know, your mucus plug or whatever. That's what I originally thought it was. But then there was like a lot. Yeah, there's point. not supposed to be that much blood. Yeah. So my doctor was a little worried about that. And they were a little worried because the contractions that I was showing were just like one long, steady contraction. There was no breaks in between. And that's sort of what it felt like. I felt like I had like a dull period cramp for like hours. But it just wasn't one so- big old cramp. Yeah, but not, it was very oh, slight. Dull. It's like a very minor headache, you know, like it wasn't that bothersome at all. So he did say like, okay, we'll let you labor on your own for like a couple hours, but then we do need to talk about inducing you because I can't send you home with the amount that you're bleeding and I don't want it to end up in an emergency C-section situation. Okay. And I was like, okay, so, you know, I tried to just hope that my labor progressed, but I sort of knew that it wasn't going to for some reason because I wasn't really feeling much. Yeah. I mean, I always wonder, because you're pretty tough, so yeah. I was wondering, are you not feeling much because you're tough, or is it just not much going on? Um, yeah. Time is flying by. Let's take a quick break and come back and find out how things progress. We'll be right back. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. 
A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Katie Lilly, and this is not what I expected. Okay. And probably more so not what you expected. No, not at all. And I was just, like, upset about it. It's like your first pregnancy, you're set on doing something one way, and then you're told, like, that it's probably not going to happen that way. I just knew that if I got induced, I was definitely getting an epidural, and I didn't want an epidural because I was so afraid of that procedure for some yeah. reason. I mean, it's a phobia, right? Because yeah. again, you're, you're super tough. You can handle a lot of intensity. It's just like some people have it with spiders. Some people have it with mice. Yeah. Some people have it with heights. You have it with long needles. I don't yeah. blame you. I have it with long needles too. Uh, yeah. All right. So at that time, because it's like knee deep in the pandemic, you have a doula and is the doula allowed to come to the hospital? She is allowed, but she wasn't there yet. She was like, you know, call me when you want me to come. And at that point, I didn't know if I was getting induced or not, but it was looking like it. And they loosened the restrictions a lot. Like my husband was allowed to leave and go get my hospital back because we just like left the house. And I thought I would probably be coming back. I thought I was fine. And then like I got admitted. So he came back, he grabbed stuff for me and stuff for him. And he was able to come back in. In the beginning of this, I think you had to stay. Like you could not leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no um, coming and going. Yeah. So he was allowed to come and go like pretty much as he wanted. Yeah. That's great. I mean, a couple of months earlier, it would have been a whole different story. Exactly. Yeah, after the four hours of sort of laboring on my own, the doctor came in and he was like, we need to induce you because the heart rate was still like, I didn't really understand because I heard it, it was fine. But they were like, you know, it was just not varying as much as we want. And it kept like dropping a little bit. But also what was bothering me is that the heart rate monitors at the hospital, they don't work. They like go off for like a minute and then they're like, well, it dropped. And I'm like, well, no, it just turned off. So it frustrated me. Have the two big belts? Yeah, they had belts. And then I was on the Wi-Fi one because I wanted to get up and walk around. And that one was like not working as well. And that was frustrating because they were like, you know. the Wi-Fi or the Bluetooth? So they linked me up to a wireless one. Was it the little blue square? Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's Bluetooth. Yes. Usually once it finds your rhythm, it's pretty good. Well, it was. But there's a few times where like if you moved the wrong way, it would just drop for a second. And Mm -hmm. like. You know, the nurse was like, yeah, but we're getting these drops. And I'm like, I know, but I think that's when the monitor is not picking up the heart rate. But I didn't want to argue it too much. I mean, I, all I wanted was my child to be delivered healthy. Sure. <laughs> so, Are you at this point doing anything to try to get yourself contracting more? Like, um, you know, did they recommend anything? Or like sometimes on the more holistic side, people do like breast pumping or nipple stimulation. Things right. Like yeah. No, honestly, I, I didn't do any of that. And I read that that was a good thing. But I was sort of in this like state of mind of like, I was scared. I was like, I don't know. It was sort of like those couple hours like blended together for me. (laughs) Okay. So it sounds like they want to induce. Yeah. So they wanted to induce finally. And I finally agreed. I didn't want to. And then, you know, the doctor was like, look, like this wasn't as planned, but I don't want this to end up with an emergency C-section. And he was like, we don't know where the bleeding is from. Like, I can't send you home like this. And I think the best option is to be induced. So I agree to be induced. 
And well, you made a statement. Like, I know if I get induced, I'm going to get an epidural. Is that yes. their policy or is that? No, no, no. It's just what I read talking to people is like, you know, it makes the contractions much more painful. And to be honest, I really tried to not get the epidural. And I will say through all of this, I definitely experienced labor. Like <laughs> I was in the most pain I've ever been in my entire life, screaming for the epidural, like screaming for it. And again, like, you're pretty tough. Hurt me down the hall, I'm sure. No, hold on a second. Your induction is Pitocin, mm-hmm. I assume? Yeah. And yeah. then they always start at a small dose and wait a little yeah. bit, go bigger, wait a little bit, go bigger. Yeah. So yeah. A, is it having the desired effect in terms of creating more of a pattern of more productive or more intense surges or contractions? Yeah. And B, is does it gradually get intense for you painfully or does yeah, it? Yeah, so... They start you out at like a level two and that felt like nothing. And they took it up every hour for me. It didn't get bad. Like I called Stacy the doula when I got to like maybe like a level six when I started to feel like, okay, I think I need some help here, like with the hip squeeze or whatever. That helped me a lot. So I was on Pitocin for, I don't know, six or seven hours before getting the epidural. So I was on a level 10, I think, when I was screaming in pain to get the epidural. Wow. Okay. And then was the epidural, I mean, at that point, because you were nervous about getting it. Yes. Well, at that point, um, was it like a giant relief or was it actually yes, scary? It was honestly, it was like a godsend. So I was screaming for the anesthesiologist. She was like busy or something. And it was taking her what felt like a half an hour to come into the room. And honestly, that was the worst pain ever. It felt like someone was ripping my body apart. Just out of curiosity, were you feeling it more in the front, in the back? Or yes, both? in the front. It started at the top of my waist, basically, like right under my ribs, and just went all the way down. Like, felt like someone was taking a knife and just slicing it open. During the surges or also in between? No, just during the contractions, but they were coming so, so close together. No breaks. 15-second yeah. break? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So initially, it's a long, dull cramp. Now it mm-hmm. sounds like much more intense with tiny little breaks in between. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, that's also not a typical pattern. No, no. So that's what I read about Pitocin. You know, like once you get on it, it's synthetic. So it stimulates your body to do contractions, but they're much more intense and they're closer together. People so say like, stronger, longer, and closer together. Yes. And yeah. also not having the effect on your brain because oxytocin, which makes you surge like that, has the effect on your brain of pleasure exactly. and bonding and joy. Yeah. But the uh, synthetic form, the Pitocin, doesn't cross the brain. So it's right. just making you contract, and it's not helping you alleviate the intensity in your mind and exactly. in your brain. Okay, so you get the epidural, and life is good again. Yes, I got the epidural. I will say the process of it, I did not like. It didn't hurt. They put it in your back, and you feel like this weird pressure. It's not pleasant, but I would have taken anything like after the pain I was in. So it was fine. And after getting the epidural, I was under the assumption that my whole body would be numb or my legs would be completely numb, but they weren't. Like I had feeling, I had mobility in my legs. I mean, I couldn't get up and walk around, but I could feel them. It wasn't like I didn't have any control over my body. So, you know, it's a cocktail of drugs that they put in there. Did they have a conversation with you about how much you want to go numb? Yeah. At that point, I was like, just give me the standard. I didn't want to walking epidural at that point. I was like, I want to be out of pain. So I'm sure that gives me a, a good amount. The full dose. Yeah. And you could still yeah. feel your legs. Yeah. I could still feel my legs. Yeah. I felt fine. Having a catheter put in sucked. I didn't like that. A urinary um, catheter. 
Yeah, but it was not as bad. Like, if I got pregnant again and had to get an epidural, I'd be fine with it. I, I was under the impression that I was going to be completely numb and have no feeling, you know? It wasn't like that. And it was the right. biggest relief ever. Like, I went to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I ask, because most people do feel like totally numb. People feel like they're sort of trapped in their body. or Yeah, no, no, it wasn't that for me at all. I did not feel that. Okay, so you're still surging. The same mm -hmm. thing with the only the 15-second breaks on the monitor? Um, yeah, the hardest part of the epidural was the fact that I was dealing with contractions while they were telling me to hold oh, really right. still. And that was scary because I know if I move one, you know, it can affect her putting it in. So yeah. that was hard because I was in the middle of the contraction and she's trying to put the epidural in. Okay, and you get to sleep. Yeah, I mean, when I say sleep, I was laying in bed and I wasn't in pain anymore. <laughs> Resting comfortably. Yeah, I was laying with like a birth ball between my legs the whole time and I would switch sides to make sure like one leg wasn't getting more numb than the other. That did happen to me a little bit. Like I had one leg that didn't have much feeling in it the next day, but it went away. And uh, what's the next benchmark? Do they so the do next benchmark, They check me again in like four hours or something and they checked me and they're like, oh, you're 10 centimeters. Oh, <laughs> were you not feeling any pressure? I was feeling pressure. Yeah, I was. So did you um, tell them, hey, I'm feeling pressure? No. And they just thought, we haven't checked you in a while, so. Yeah, so I didn't know. I was like, yeah, I definitely feel pressure, but I didn't say anything. They just checked me, and they're like, oh, you're 10 centimeters. Do you want to try pushing? And I was like, yeah, let's try pushing. So <laughs> oh. um, I think I pushed once, and like, okay, we need to call the doctor. <laughs> oh, meaning it was a test push. They were like, let's try pushing. I, I pushed, and then they're like, okay, we need to call the doctor because you're 10 centimeters plus three or something. I don't know. Yeah, plus three um, is the baby's about to crown. Yes, so, exactly. Okay. Well, this is an excellent time to take a break. A little cliffhanger. We'll be right back and find out what happened. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Katie Lilly. Oh, boy. Okay, so now 10 centimeters, just by happenstance, feeling yes. the rectal pressure, test push, and they're like, oh, we got to call the doctor. You're ready to yes. go. And then? Then the doctor comes, and literally fast. the baby was out 15 minutes later. Did he come fast? Was he close by? Yes, he was there within 10 minutes. Oh, so you didn't have to wait to push. No. At that point, it did feel like I was trying to hold the baby in. Like, I could feel the baby and then 15 minutes later, she was out. Wow. The easiest thing ever. I mean, it felt like pressure, but again, I had the epidural, so it was really easy. Could you feel what was happening while you were pushing? Yes. So meeting with the epidural, sometimes people are like, they're saying push and you think you're pushing and you can't really feel what's happening and they're like, you're not really doing anything. But, I mean, even when you had the full dose of whatever they gave you epidural-wise, you could still feel stuff. Yeah. So, 
assume it was starting to wear off a bit anyway, mm -hmm. and you can feel more. Could you move around? Could you move your legs? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. It honestly felt like I was doing the leg press at the gym. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're on your back? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have pain during pushing? No, not at all. It felt relieving, to be honest. Did you reach down and feel your baby coming out? Yeah, that was weird. Weird? Yeah, I didn't like it. Why? <laughs> because her head felt really soft and it scared me. They were like, do you want to touch your head? I was like, yeah. And then I was like, this doesn't feel like a head. <laughs> it scared you because you were worried something was wrong with her? Or that you might Yeah, I was like, why is her head so soft? So squishy? Oh, yeah. They're squishy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's wrong with her? <laughs> uh, and so your doula was there for all yeah. that? Yeah, she actually videoed it. I have a video of it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Do you watch it back? My husband watched it. He was like, you know there's a video of this? I was like, no. And then we watched it, but I haven't shown it to anyone else. I don't think uh, anyone else wants to see it. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm saying when you watch it back. Oh. Yeah. Was it surprising or is it just exactly how you remembered it? Um, it was surprising because you can see the baby coming out at that point. Like I couldn't see her coming out, you know? Okay, feeling but, her coming out was eerie, but was seeing her coming out kind of cool or also yeah, eerie? Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was cool. Kind of amazing, huh? Yeah. I mean, after all of it, you know, I'm fine with how it happened. Obviously, she's healthy, and um, the thought of being induced, I think, scared me, but it really wasn't that bad. Like, my advice to people would be like, you know, if you have to get induced, which I think a lot of people do, especially if you're in the hospital, having a hospital birth, it's really not that bad. I would advise someone to get an epidural maybe a little sooner than I did, unless they're going to push through and not do it. I, I thought I was going to die. You know, the crazy thing is, like I said, you're really tough and very fit. And you had a very unusual contraction pattern before you got mm -hmm. the induction agent. And even afterwards, even though they tend to be stronger, longer and closer together, that 15 second break with massive intense yeah. uh, in between is just not typical. So you just never know. I mean, even you yourself, if you for some reason got induced again, it might feel totally different. I've, yeah. I've, people have said that. Did you have stitching that you needed? Yeah, it just a small tear. It was yeah. very small, like first degree. Interesting, though. 15 minutes of pushing on your first kid is pretty uh, magical, too. It's pretty fast. Is it? I don't uh, know what the norm is. I mean, I think typical is closer to an hour. People sometimes push two, three, four hours. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just must have a really amazing chiropractor. i got to get his number. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how is uh, motherhood? It's great. You know, it's a lot in the beginning. Breastfeeding is definitely a lot. It's a full-time job. It's going well. I would say like the thing that's helped me the most is I scheduled two appointments with a lactation consultant that came to my house like within the first week of the baby. And it's helped me tremendously. I was overproducing milk a little bit and that was an issue. So she helped me get on board with that. Then like my milk comes out really fast. So I have to position the baby right in order for her to not like choke on it. Mm -hmm. But I guess it could be worse. I could not be producing milk. <laughs> Right. I mean, there's remedies, so there's ways to, to deal with it once you know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would say that for anyone, especially like first time mom, that having someone come to your house that, you know, that can help you with it. Because it's not even like she didn't have trouble, trouble. I mean, she just taught me a better way for her to latch and a different position and it made a world of difference. How is your body recovery going? Good. You know, the first night in the hospital, it was painful. There was like an ice block you know, and my nipples were so sore because she wasn't latching properly. 
But after like a week, I'm fine. I mean, I feel like I could start working out like I was right away. I haven't yet, but I feel fine. How old is the baby now? She's going to be a month soon. So Almost yeah. four weeks. When you see somebody work out a lot during pregnancy, yeah. in a healthy way, it's so magical how the recovery tends to go. Yes. Usually a week later, you can hide the fact that you were pregnant if you want to. <laughs> yeah. And then that's such a common sentiment that women tell me is that I'm just like ready to work out. I want to go out and be active yeah. again, mm -hmm. you know, 10 days after they have the baby. And yeah. you can yeah, also, I, like some things, you can just start going for walks. And That's and what I've been doing. I've been walking. I don't think anything at this point would happen to me if I started working out, but you know, the hormone response to having a baby is real and it's a stressor when you exercise. So you just have to be careful that if you're throwing it off, then it's going to be tougher for you to eventually see the results that you want to see from exercise. Because if your hormones get off, then you have to work backwards from that. Yeah, I usually feel bad because a lot of our patients are super fit and work out like mm -hmm. you towards the end of pregnancy. Yeah. And, um, I just sit around watching Netflix and... Uh, <laughs> That makes me feel a little bit about myself, but when you start working out two weeks after you have a baby, <laughs> I just look at the mirror, the guy in the mirror, I'm like, we need to have a talk. <laughs> so uh, in terms of early motherhood, aside from, you know, getting used to feeding is always a learning curve. Yeah, it is. I mean, I try to keep her to somewhat of a schedule, but it's basically feeding on demand. I mean, she eats when she wants to eat. She does give me good stretches at night. Like sometimes she'll sleep for f not four hours, but like three and a half. Like she'll go four hours between feedings, which is great. I mean, that's my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I can give her like one bottle a day. But, you know, if you're breastfeeding, you still have to pump. So it's not like that much of a, you're still not getting a sleep stretch of more than three hours. And are you adapting well to that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm the kind of person, if I don't get my sleep, like, Prior to the baby coming, if I didn't sleep, you know, at least five hours, I would be useless the next day. But in the beginning, the first two weeks, I felt like I didn't sleep for like an hour. I maybe slept for an hour a day. Like I was just up, you know, you have a ton of hormones running, which was funny. My husband and I in the hospital, we would like take turns just watching the baby to make sure she was sleeping. Like we both didn't think we could go to sleep and have her sleep. We were just watching her breathing. Yeah. With our first, we had a lot of fertility struggles before the first kid yeah. came. So once we finally had a pregnancy that took and made it to the end, we were super excited, but it was like, we didn't believe we would have a baby until we were holding him, actually holding him. Yeah. And then I think most people have that little anxiety. Like, I wonder if the baby's okay. Like the first time he slept a five hour stretch, we both woke up in a panic and ran into the crib to make sure he was still breathing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always dreamed, I wish they had like some kind of monitor that could tell me if they're breathing. And now they have all these cool different monitors that. Yeah, no, they do. But I don't know. They kind of freak me out. Observing it, it, your baby. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of times it's wrong or it'll like beep. And it's, I don't know. There's one that I have that I tried once and I was like, okay, this is freaking me out. Mm. Well, I mean, there's always new ones and they're always innovating them and improving on them, but we didn't have anything. So uh, we would just constantly have to run back and forth. Yeah, and exactly. See what's going on. All right. So look, in terms of your birth, it's been quite a journey for you. Yeah. Again, going from wanting to have a cesarean to wanting to not have an epidural, you know, go medless, um, starting with the bleeding. And did they ever figure out, was that placenta had a piece? It no, it, it didn't. It wasn't. It, so they don't know where that blood came from. No. Uh, really kind of a scary, interesting start. But it sounds like kind of a good thing that you trusted your instinct and went to the hospital rather than going back yeah, to Yeah, I just wouldn't have felt comfortable at home. And who knows? You know, maybe there was something up with her heart rate. I don't know, you know, but 
But now I we know the clap trick. Yeah, exactly. It does work. <laughs> and then the thing that you were afraid of seemingly most was that epidural. But by the time you were ready for it, you wanted it badly. Yes. Um, I will say if you go and get admitted to the hospital and you're having labor pains and you get an epidural an hour later, it could change your experience and it could really hurt. You know, But for me, I was having such intense contractions and this was like nothing. You know, This was huge relief for me. Yeah. And then you're pushing, you know, everybody's story is different. That's how we record them. But yeah. uh, some people struggle a little here, a little there, but uh, your pushing sounded dreamy. That was the easiest part. Your milk production and recovery also sound like they're going at least good, if not above average. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, in the beginning, luckily I had a consult with this woman because I almost got mastitis if I didn't realize what was happening to me, <laughs> mm. but I got it under control and now it's just managing my milk supply so the baby doesn't choke on my milk. <laughs> yeah, so you're still in the first 30 days. A lot yeah. of people like to stay in and just kind of be in the nest for 30 or 40 yeah. days. I guess that's easier during a pandemic. There's not yeah. a lot of places to go. We've taken her out, though. We've walked her to dinner. She went shopping with me today. <laughs> <laughs> Good shopping partner? Yes, yeah. Uh, well, you look amazing. Thanks. Um, I really do need to come in. My upper back is killing me. I'm ready. I can't imagine. I'll probably have a Red Bull and then have enough energy to take care of that for you. And uh, at home, our viewers can't see, but you're holding on to the little princess. Yeah. Say hi to Dr. B. I can see. Say hi. Surely you know my voice. We spent a lot of time together. (laughs) Oh, what a little yum. (laughs) She's sleeping. Milk coma, <laughs> that little milk coma that yes. they go into after just feeding. Well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I guess looking back or looking forward, if you did it all over again, do you have thoughts on what your plan might be the next time? And I know you said you were flexible. That was one thing I asked you. Yes. And that flexibility obviously pays off. Sometimes it goes exactly how you plan it. Sometimes it goes very close to. Sometimes yeah. it goes dramatically different. Yours, I would say, went different, but I mean, you still had the vaginal birth you were planning for. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I still oh. got to experience the contractions. You know, I did experience true labor. It just was medicated. Yeah. So moving forward, do you have any idea, like if you did it again, would you have a similar plan or would you? I would say right now for me, it would be hard to try to refuse an epidural knowing the effect of it after I got it. It was like the most amazing feeling, you know? Mm. (laughs) So I would say, yeah, I would try to not do it again, but now and then I'm not afraid of it. I know my legs aren't going numb. Like you said, every labor is different. So who knows? Maybe the next time I get one, it will be not as pleasant. Yeah, it could be, you know, a completely different experience. I've been in the labor and delivery room several times where the anesthesiologist gets an on-the-spot marriage proposal, even though (laughs) the spouse is right there. Yeah. (laughs) I um, totally get that. I totally get it. They do seem life-changing when you get them at just the time when you need them. All right. Bunda, I assume you're going to get back there pretty soon. Yes, definitely. I am ready. And uh, how are they working out now? It's cold. I know. Yeah, they're wearing sweatshirts and we have classes a little earlier at night, so it's not as cold. But in the mornings, you just have to bundle up until you start to get That's sweating. A lot of dedication because of pandemic, they're still working out outdoors. Tell me again where we can find Bunda online. Oh, yeah, trainbunda.com. Trainbunda, and B-U-N-D-A. Instagram is at trainbunda. 
Awesome. All right. Thanks again for sharing your story at home. Thanks for listening to us. You know what? We're getting so many topic suggestions and we're doing them. We're plowing through them one at a time. You know, sometimes I'm like, hmm, what are we going to do on next week's episode? And then the coolest topic suggestions come in that I never thought of. If you would like to suggest a topic, send us an email to info at informedpregnancy.com. I got a whole lot of questions for you. This kid's gonna test my will. I got a lot to learn and my baby's too. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.